What's up, everybody, and welcome to Some Kind of Podcast. This is a podcast where we entertain you by discussing what entertains us. I am your host today, Christian, and I'm here with my co-host, Tim. Hello. And Cody. Hey. I would like to officially welcome you all to the first official episode of Some Kind of Podcast. The first, the first two episodes are really for us just to get to introduce ourselves and get used to what this whole podcasting is all about. The last few weeks, we have talked at length about our own personal experiences with the world of gaming, movies, TV, and anime. If that sounds entertaining to you, make sure you go back and check out episodes one and two. They are now live on YouTube and your favorite podcast services around the world. This week, we will begin introducing you to some of our segments of the show. As the weeks progress, we may, we may add a few more things to keep things interesting or perhaps tweak some of those as needed. Tim and Cody, are you guys as excited as I am? Pretty excited, man. I am beyond thrilled don't let the sound of my voice fool you i am beyond thrilled (laughs) that's what i like to hear all right well this week cody and tim have a little story about their experience at the harry potter and the deathly hallows part two during the days of their uh, working time at the ye old movie house so what may allow me to introduce you to our first segment of the show story time story time is where we recount a tale of something amusing that's happened to us over the years most of the time it's related in some way to the entertainment industry and other times it's completely random luckily this week it's at least a little bit related guys you want to tell us a little bit about what happened take it away yeah so oh okay sure i'll start uh so yeah cody and i for a while um at the same time worked at the same movie theater ye old movie house um and during the days of yesteryear before uh essentially midnight screenings were sort of taboo nowadays um we used to have these big events where we essentially just it was just the movie but we played it the evening of at 1201 uh when the movie was officially like released so like if harry potter came out on like I don't remember what day, but it was in July, I think. We played it at midnight when it could officially be played. And typically, these kind of things were kind of hit and miss. I mean, obviously, for a big movie like Harry Potter, they were a little bit more busy for all of them. But this was the last one. Um, So it was going to be a big deal. And I remember people were lining up that morning, I believe, before we even opened. Yeah, we had people... By the time we were almost ready to to like let people in because i mean obviously we were running movies all day um other movies uh but when it came time to let people start to come in for the harry potter shows the line was wrapped around the building like without giving too much away like it, it the way our theater was set up like it went inside the theater out like I don't it, like like fifty feet. Yeah, about that. You know, to the outside doors, and then it wrapped all the way around the back side of the building where all the theaters were, around the the very back where the loading dock was, around the other side where the other theaters were, and then all the way down past um, like the length of the building we were attached to. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was nuts. So I had worked at Yield Movie House for about seven years now. So I had had my share of big movie releases. One of the first ones I ever worked was episode three to kind of date myself here. Um, 
And this was nothing like I'd ever experienced before. Like I said, you know, I, I'd been to the ones where people show up early, but like it was a lot. I can't express the magnitude of this line and how just massive it was. Um, I guess the only way to really put it in perspective is for you is that we started seating for Harry Potter in Deathly Hollows Part 2, I think around 8 p.m. We started yeah. seating for it, and we were letting people in as the movie was starting at 1201. It took us four hours to sit that whole line. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I can really compare it to, and there's not really a comparison, but you know how you see those old pictures of like actual Star Wars in 1977, where like, right. there's huge crowds and everyone's just trying to get into the theater. It was like that, except it was like one continuous line. And I'm pretty sure the way we had it set up, uh, it didn't matter what theater because we played them in all the theaters that were available yeah, like you know it was over 20 if of them. we yeah you know we had x amount of screens I, I won't won't give it away because it'll probably guess where we were um but you know however many screens there were we had it playing in all of those theaters so if you had a ticket and they all they were all the 1201 show because like i said this was before um people were kind of anxious about going to midnight uh releases so if you had a ticket you just went to that theater and we had a little clicker and if it maxed out to the capacity of that theater because we knew how many people could fit in there we just moved on to the next one and that's yeah. how we sat and we had like a list of all the theaters and when they were going to be letting out so like if theater 11 for instance was out we put them in there and then whatever the next theater was whether it was like five or six or 21 whatever the next theater that was open that was just the next theater we put people in um and yeah i, I want to say it took about four hours to see all of them and i know for the first part of my shift that was all i did was ripping tickets and i think it was the, i think i was the guy with the clicker clicking to make sure how many people were going in there because i was only assistant manager at the time so i wasn't really um per se in charge of anything exactly i was just file i was essentially just a shepherd just filing the sheeple into their theaters the sheeple for yeah. at least for at least the first half of my shift the second half of it i did something little else i wasn't in the concession stand i don't think uh because no. the second half i did something else but i'm pretty sure i was with cody for the second half so yeah i'll let him tell where he was doing in the beginning yeah so i was not in management yet at that time i was still just a little baby like regular staff member and um yeah i i was in the projection booth for the first part of it um because i was i had been trained because uh, we were still using 35 millimeter film at that time they hadn't converted everything to digital um weren't which, we partially digital though yeah i think we had um at least two or three of them right three at least three like I, from from multiple brands or whatever, but yeah, I, I want to say we had at least three, and maybe the big one I can't remember. Um, I think the big one was there. I, I'm trying to be as vague What's as the big one. I'm trying to be as vague as possible so people don't. It's a um, I was it's an IMAX theater. I'll say it. <laughs> yeah. So we we had the IMAX, and then we had the the three I think at the time digital theaters. Um, but I was up there watching them 
do the sync with the 35 millimeter film and they had basically one because i think at the time we only had like four physical prints of the movie and then of course we had the digital format or whatever for those three theaters but like we only had the four actual prints so they synced it and ran it through all these rollers and it was really cool it was like basically like a moving spider web you should probably explain what a sync is yeah well uh, yeah um that's gonna be my next question <laughs> well that's I, I was getting to it um so what you do is you run the movie from one projector to however many else you want to um and to my knowledge because i didn't get to mess with it too much because we ended up going digital um they're all programmed you can essentially make them start at the same time um the the machines make the machines start at the same time obviously not the movie there's a slight delay um but it takes one physical print of 35 millimeter for the movie and it runs it through like six different projectors uh by attaching like it was just clear film to it it's called leader yeah, yeah it's called leader and you just you just ran it across basically like the top half of the ceiling it was just rollers lining the top of the walls and you just you just ran it through all of them and then you go to the very last one and you hit start and it starts pulling it and then uh all all the others turn on and it basically just runs that that one movie through all you know six or seven however many you have to play that that one print and so it would start like you know it would start on one and then like 10 seconds later it would start on two and then 10 seconds later it would start on three but it was it was the same film just being played in multiple theaters um and so we did that and i was just running the digital stuff and then for the second half of it i came down and we were still seating like right up to the movie like you said and what yeah, I remember that part. What ended up happening was uh, somebody else, I think our boss or another staff member started doing the clicking uh, for the numbers. And then me and you started doing theater. Not because I wasn't doing it improperly. No, it was just. I just want to point that out. I, it wasn't taken away from me. I gave it away. It was. It was basically like there were options. It was like, okay do you want to do these theater greetings or do you want to click? And the person that we asked was like, I'd much rather just click people in. And so me and you had to go basically to all, you know, 20 plus theaters and do this, like, you know, like, Hey everybody, what's up? You're all a bunch of Harry Potter nerds. And so are we, are you excited? And whatever. And tell, you know, give everybody the like, shut your phones off and don't ruin it for others. Uh, kind of thing. And we, so we did that sure... like a ton. Yeah, I'm pretty sure what happened was is that because Cody was in charge of the sink, and by the way, when we're saying sink, it's short for synchronization, not like kitchen sink. Uh, Cody was not in charge of the sink only because not because he couldn't do it, but because you know with a big though. movie like this, you, well, yeah, you know, I wasn't trying to discredit you here, uh, but with a big movie like this, obviously you want your key player to be in charge of it. So the person who was in charge of the booth was was doing the sink. So Cody came downstairs to help out the floor and our boss at the time knew that me and Cody were huge Potterheads. Um, and essentially there was like, I think there was like a group 
of like three or four people that kind of had dressed up and were like doing Harry Potter stuff in the lobby theater stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, Hey, Tim and Cody, why don't you go in there and, you know, push people together and do the normal theater greeting stuff with these group of four people uh, and, you know, kind of have some fun with it. So even though all this chaos is going on, Cody and I kind of got to go and do pretty much what the funnest part you could probably do uh, on a night like this, which is obviously something that I won't ever really forget because, you know, not to sound cheesy here, but uh, it was pretty magical. Um, hey. No, it really was. I mean, hey. not to discredit what we were doing or anything, but we got paid to pretty much goof off with a bunch of other Harry Potter nerds, and it was it was pretty great. That's the dream. Yeah. So, yeah, it, overall, it was like the, the whole staff was essentially there because, like I said, it, it was probably like the biggest night that I had personally experienced up until that point yeah. of a movie. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question. So, like, in, in comparison to other premieres, at least up until that point, was this the largest one that you guys had handled? Largest for me, for sure. Uh, definitely. I still think, with the exception, no. No, I still think that Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 was the biggest one that I ever experienced. I uh, still think that. I'm Wow. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm... 80% sure that Force Awakens was bigger. Because maybe we not only Force Awakens was a little bit different though cuz we opened it early. We opened it earlier, I think. We maybe op- not. We opened it at 7, but we ran it until 6 a.m. That's true. So after- hard to tell because like I said, shortly after this an incident occurred and people started not wanting to go to midnight premieres anymore. Yeah. So this was kind of like the last big one because going forward and even today, you know, it's not the same anymore. No. Cause I mean, when we saw rise of Skywalker together, the three of us and uh, our buddy, Steven was at like seven or maybe eight and like a Dolby theater. Yeah. Yeah, so do you think since that big change happened where, you know, the typical midnight premiere thing that used to be, you know, commonplace changed to where now it's being released 7, 8 p.m., go up until, you know, and then they'll have early showings the, the, the next day. Do you think that had a large effect on decreasing the amount of attendance to premieres? No, it just spread it out. I think. Yeah, I, that's a good way to put it. I don't think it was any less people. I think it was roughly the same amount of people just over a, a longer period of time. Because with the midnights, that's why I say, like, I think um, logistically, like, I think um, The Force Awakens was a bigger opening because we did sell out every single theater. And at one point we had it in all the theaters. And then we did another round of shows at, like, 2 and 3 a.m. for that movie but like that I, I feel like star wars is like an exception to that rule almost because it's such a a bizarre thing like if we had um, done that with harry potter it would have done the same the only thing that i can really add to what cody is saying is that um i think what he said is correct in the sense that like it just spread things out further but for me, having experienced some of these big premieres and then working the Harry Potter one, 
when you do stuff where it kind of releases early, it's great if you're working because obviously it's not all just one big rush uh, at the end of the night when you're tired and whatnot. You kind of have a little bit more time to prepare yourself. But it also kind of takes some something away because um, when you were there, if you were there working or even seeing the movie, there was like a big event feel yeah. in the atmosphere. Like right. we're all experiencing this, like thousands of people are all going to experience this at the same time. And then going forward with it being spaced out like that, it just kind of, it just feels like another busy day. Yeah. You know, I totally understand that. I mean, back in the day we used to, I mean, my family used to go to the midnight releases at Barnes and Noble uh, of the books and, you know, we're at midnight, you know, they would actually hand out everybody's copy of the, the latest iteration of the Harry Potter series. And that was amazing. They always had all these like mini games going on. They had like themed drinks. It was a really cool environment. And since the whole midnight premiere thing, books, movies, video games, whatever, kind of stopped being a thing. Um, yeah, there's not really like something to kind of fill that void other than like a uh, like a convention um, of various like, you know, nerdy cultures. But and even, even now, that's not a, a big thing anymore. But that's just yeah, I, circumstantial. Um, mm-hmm. I went to the, speaking of the Deathly Hallows, I went to the Deathly Hallows release of the book. Uh, my grandpa had always bought me the harry potter books i'm getting off topic a little bit but my grandpa had always bought me the harry potter books so i didn't go to buy the book i went because my girlfriend at the time was going to get the book uh and you're right there's just something about it that just doesn't exist anymore i remember there were security guards there to make sure that you escort you out of the building to make sure you didn't like open the last page read it out loud to people i remember that yep it was very very cool experience yeah but the stuff like that just doesn't really happen anymore unfortunately unfortunately not as we go into 21 in the future years hopefully we can at least reopen and get back some of those things that we've come to love in the current days like the conventions we were just talking about and hopefully something will come in yeah forward. Uh, anything else you guys want to add to this though thank you for sharing uh no? i mean other than it was probably one of the coolest experiences i had i mean nah <laughs> yeah. all right yep fair enough All right. Well, without further ado, I'm just going to roll straight into our next segment of the show. Next up is a fun little segment to break it up that we like to call Steven's Recommendations. This is where our buddy Steven, or Silent Steven, as we sometimes call him, gives us advice something something we should try out in our everyday lives. Uh, Sometimes that's a new soda. Sometimes it's a new video game. But this week, it happens to be McDonald's new baked good, the apple fritter. According to McDonald's website, it's a classic fritter made with cinnamon apples and fried a golden brown covered with a sweet glazed icing. They suggest pairing it with the premium roast coffee. On my way home last week, I decided to treat myself to something from Mickey D's and see if this fabled apple fritter lived up to the hype. Since then, Cody and Tim have also tried it out. And guys, I gotta know, what are your thoughts? Um, all right. So, yeah, I tried the apple fritter. And, I sh- okay, before I get into it, uh, Steven, our friend, we ref- kindly refer to him as Silent Steven because, um, you know, there's three of us that do this podcast, but there's actually four of us that are BFFs in real life. Uh, and the other one would be Steven, but, you know, he declined to do the podcast and for whatever reason, that's fine. Um, but we still wanted to honor him in some way. So we wanted him to be a part of the show, which is how we came up with this segment. Um, so if you refer to him as Silent Steven, just know that it's coming from a place of love um, and that Steven's actually a really good guy. 
I just wanted to address the nickname. That's all. Um, did you want to say something? I was just going to say thanks for the disclaimer. And Stephen might appear in some future yeah. content, you know, as we share things onto our Twitch channels and on YouTube. You might expect him to be playing along with us in some of our games as we upload content. Oh, so, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be in our gaming videos and stuff. Yeah, I just didn't want us to think that we're making fun of Stephen. We're not. This no, It's no. totally out of honor for Stephen. Um, so, yeah, I tried the apple fritter per Stephen's recommendation. Um, if you don't know Stephen, he kind of does this a lot without even realizing he's doing it. He's like, you guys should try this or you guys should, you know, play this. I know for a fact that one of my favorite games, Persona 5, uh, was a recommendation from Stephen. So um, he's usually pretty good with stuff that he thinks that we'll like. So I tried the apple fritter. I went to McDonald's. And I should point out that I tried to buy this apple fritter two other times before I was actually able to get one. Same. Uh, Once they just didn't include it, which I guess that's part of the course for McDonald's. Uh, The second time they were sold out of it. uh, So I couldn't get one. But I finally got my hands on one. And I didn't have it with a coffee, which I didn't realize they recommended pairing with a coffee. I didn't read the fine print, I guess. But um, it was good um, for something that came from McDonald's, if that makes sense. Okay. So it's on par with the brand is what you're saying. Yeah. Like if you're going to McDonald's and you're getting an apple fritter, this would be the apple fritter that you would expect to get. Okay, well then that's fair. Then I feel like I feel like that you know adequately you know, it's it's not above par for McDonald's. It's it's right where it should be. Cody, anything no, to add? Uh, yeah. Okay, personally, I think it's a it's slightly below par for McDonald's. Oh come on now. But I I do think it's on brand for McDonald's to do something like this, because so I just like Tim. Um, I tried twice before I actually got one to get one. I ordered it um, once just in the drive-thru and then once on the mobile app and didn't get it either time. Paid for it, but whatever. Um, I guess in my mind, I thought it was going to be like the apple pie or the strawberry cheesecake thing. Like it was going to be a baked good and it was going to come in a little box and it was going to be warm. And instead, what I got was a prepackaged vending machine apple fritter. And, like like I said, it's, it's on brand with what I would expect McDonald's to pull. But it's not, on, it's not up to par with what I think they're capable of. I'm glad you mentioned the prepackaged thing. Because I actually have a quote pulled from uh, our, t- our group chat from this previous week. And I quote, it sort of tasted like a store-bought prepackaged Little Debbie Simonet thing, (laughs) to which I responded, Cody, what do you got against Little Debbie? And so here's the thing. I I said this before. I don't know why you're throwing it at me again. I have nothing against Little Debbie snacks or any of those, you know, of the same ilk. The, The thing is, if I'm expecting, you know, this warm, like... I'm not going to say homemade, but you know what I mean? Like fresh baked apple fritter. And then I get this cold prepackaged, like out of a, out of a thin box or vending machine, apple fritter. I was a little disappointed. Now, if I go to the store and I'm like, I could totally go for these. That's, that's fine. I'm expecting that. I got nothing against it. It's just not what I expected. I understand. I will say, 
I will say that once Cody threw out the little Debbie remark, I didn't want to say anything because you immediately jumped down his throat with it. <laughs> um, but when, once, as soon as he said it, I was like, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I was like, I, I could have, like, if you went to the gas station and were like, I wonder what this apple fritter and this prepackaged thing tastes like, it tastes like the McDonald's apple fritter. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like my, my, not my second high school. Cause they, they opened the new high school. So I had to switch halfway through, but my, the, the high school I did my, my freshman and, and sophomore year and had vending machines in it that had like little, like, you know, like the cheese danishes and, and bear claws and things that were prepackaged. That's exactly what it tastes like. It tastes like it came out of that dirty old vending machine. What about All you, right. Steve? Or, uh, Christian? What about you, Christian? What are your, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, I thought it was good. I don't think it was as bad as I think you guys led me to believe it would be, but it was, it was good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I never said it was bad. Never said it was bad. We'll get, we'll get back to that. Uh, so I will say that mine wasn't cold, but it was definitely like, like room temperature. It wasn't like warm or like steamy. Like I was hoping it would That's be like, when you get, like because a... it was in the bag with the rest of your food. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> they gave me mine in its own little McDonald's baby bag. And I was like, well, this is weird. Um, but yeah, so no, it was, it was adequate. And I think kind of like, uh, like Tim said there at the beginning, you know, I think it was adequate for the branding, uh, of, of McDonald's. You know, I think I, it was, it was about what I expected. I, I hoped for more, but it was about what I expected. Um, but you know, so same page, huh? We're on the same page then. That's exactly what I, I just, I didn't like how you're using little Debbie. Christian, as a Christian I, I like my Christian little Debbie's that we hate it. I know. I don't understand Christian why thinks that we hate it. I have nothing against little Debbie either. I don't know where you concocted this from, but anyways, I'm, I love uh, their cupcakes. <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up and ask you guys <laughs> one final critical question. Mm-hmm. How many Stevens would you give it out of 10? Tim? Uh, I'm gonna give it four and a half silent Stevens. Four and a half silent Stevens. Okay, Cody. Yeah. Um, I think I'd give it six Stevens. Okay. Yeah. That's. I think. I think I'm at seven. Seven out of ten Stevens. I think it's really. Yeah. No. Not, really, so, I mean, I'm not. I'm not hating on it. I'm not. I'm not talking it. I'm about like. 10 isn't like the like pinnacle of baked goods and one is like something you'd find in a garbage. I'm meaning like out of what I expected to get from when I went through McDonald's drive through, I'd give it a seven out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, apparently I'm just a hater. (laughs) I I would have given it. Okay. I would have given it less, but like I said, I enjoy that little (laughs) Debbie snack type you know snack item i feel like the your problem is I feel like your opinion is influenced by christian's little debbie comment <laughs> i mean it might be because i mean like i'm gonna be real honest it didn't taste like apple <laughs> i tasted apple in it there was apple pieces in mine i don't know about yours yeah mine mine just tasted like a, like a cinnamon bun no i got some fresh apple pieces in there no i i tasted a bit of apple like at best, I would give it like Applejack's flavor profile. All right. Anyways, so everyone, <laughs> if you enjoy this very weird, obscure little breakup of the show segment that we like to call Stephen's recommendations, please look forward to future episodes because Stephen, as Tim said before, is always recommending various things to us, and we can't wait to share those with you all. But moving on to the main topic of the show.
It is Metacritic <laughs> Predictions of 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, we didn't start this podcast until the beginning of January. And so unfortunately, that meant that we kind of missed out on the chance to do an award show for the best in entertainment uh, that came out this past year. So what I thought would be fun for us is to instead look ahead at the year to come and predict what scores movies and video games launching in the year 2021 will receive on Metacritic. For those of you listeners unaware of how Metacritic or how it works, uh, there, it is a review site that pulls reviews from around the internet uh, for an average score somewhere between 0 to 100. I even have a statement pulled from Metacritic.com. Quote, we carefully curate a large group of the world's most respected critics, assign scores to their reviews, and apply a weighted average to summarize the range of their opinions. The result is a single number that captures the essence of critical opinion in one meta score. Each movie, game, television show, and album featured on a Metacritic gets a meta score, and we've collected at least four critics for each review. End quote. So, just a side note for you. These are all things from the entertainment industry that we will believe we believe to release in the year 2021 based on information available to everyone online. Uh, so some of these may not in fact release this year uh, and may leave us looking foolish reflecting on this at the end of 21, but that's okay. So we are going to make some educated guesses based on how similar titles have performed in the past. The person with the most points at the end of the year will be awarded a DoorDash of their choice. And speaking of points, allow me to explain how this is going to work. So if you guess the meta score right on the nose, you're going to get four points. If you guess within two of the awarded meta score, you get three points. If you get within five of the meta score, you will receive two points to your total score. If you guess within 10 of the meta score, you receive one point. So. Since we only have so much time, we have collectively chosen our personal top picks, not necessarily top 10, for the world of gaming and movies. And guys, let's get started with gaming. As we go through, I want each of you, uh, so each of us, first off, each of us pick three of these to put into the list, and then we collectively pick the 10th uh, all together as a group. So as we go through each of the titles that you personally picked, if you would please, for our audience and our listeners, give a quick synopsis of the game and what platforms the listeners can expect to find each of these on. So Tim, we're going to start with gaming and we're going to start with your first pick, which was Persona 5 Strikers. Yeah, so Persona 5 Strikers. Um, essentially, it's sort of a continuation of Persona 5, but I was talking to Steven about it and he doesn't think it's going to quite be canonical, which, I mean, I guess there's that. But essentially, from my understanding from the trailer... It looks like it takes place after the events of Persona 5. And instead of being turn-based, because, you know, Persona 5 is very classical RPG, sort of, um, where it's, like, turn-based, where you just, uh, you know, you do an action, and then your enemy does an action, and so on and so forth. This is more hack-and-slash, kind of likening it, I guess, to, like, Hyrule Warriors or... Um, that other Dynasty. game I can't think of right now. Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty that Warriors, it? yeah. Dynasty Warriors, yeah. So it's sort of kind of like that. Um, and it's supposed to drop on February 21st, I believe. Um, and it is available exclusively on the PS5, if I'm calling this correctly. PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4, sorry. It, I'm, play, I'm playing on my PS5, but it is the PlayStation 4. Um so, yeah, it's supposed to come out at the end of February on the PS4. So, I mean, Persona 5 is my favorite video game of pretty much all time, I, I would I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, I've 
already pre-ordered this game. And I bought the special collection edition of this game. Um, I am super interested in it. Uh, The special edition allows me to play it four days earlier. Um, So I'm really excited about that. I'm giving this a score of 85. Only because while I think Persona 5 is damn near perfect, uh, you know, a sort of like sequel to the game kind of thing. I don't really know how those always do. Sometimes they're very kind of hit and miss. In fact, until I watched the trailer, I kind of was on the edge of whether or not I was going to get it, if I'm being completely honest. I kind of wanted to hear some reviews of it first. But the trailer got me pretty excited. And I think you also ordered it too, Christian? I did, yeah. Yeah, Um, you and Steven got me hooked on the Persona series pretty late in the game. Um, I was considering picking up the original Persona 5. Um, but instead started with Persona 5 Royal and loved it. Um, 100 hours plus gameplay, platinumed it, and I'm very excited yeah. to see what Persona 5 Strikers is all about. Uh, yeah, so I gave it an 85. Okay, cool. I will put you down for that. Cody, before I turn it over to you for your guests, allow me to share some of the previous Metascores for, these, uh, for the same series. So Persona 5 on Metacritic got a 93. Persona 5 Royal, which is basically the complete edition of Persona 5, got a 95. And Persona 4, which, of course, is the predecessor to Persona 5, is an 87. Cody? Um, I wish I'd looked up the, the meta scores for the, the Dynasty Warriors and Hyrule Warrior games. Uh, but I completely forgot, because I, I feel like that's a better look into what it's potentially going to do. But I, th- I think Tim's pretty close. Like, I, I'm going to give it... And eighty-two is what I think it's gonna it's gonna be in that that area. Because okay. it's 82. not it's not, you know, a mainline game and like Hyrule Warriors wasn't canonical, I don't think this will be, and I feel like that's gonna affect some of the scores. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like where both of you are coming from. I definitely think that you're accurate in the, you know, a game like Dynasty Warriors, since that's kind of how this game's going to be playing like rather than the traditional sense of Persona, um, comparing it score-wise, at least, to the the, uh, the regular series probably won't be that accurate. Um, so I'm going to jump kind of in the middle of you two, and I think I'm going to go with an 84. Um, I in agreeance um, that, you know, I don't think it'll uh, go above that 90 threshold like the, uh, the Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal did. Mm-hmm. But I still think it'll perform well. Um, it'll, you know, it'll get a solid B in the mid, mid-80s. mid Yeah. All, all right. Well, Cody, you are actually next up. Uh, if you would, please tell our listeners about our second pick, which is Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town. Okay, so... Quick little excerpt about this. So originally I had picked Harvest Moon. Now, I'm somewhat of a noob when it comes to the harvest moon games i've only played the original back in the day and i played some of the one of the 3ds titles and the 3ds title was garbage in my opinion um so which one of those was that that was harvest moon i I don't remember what the game title was okay so long ago um but then I did some research into this game because I saw that Harvest Moon and this game are both coming out of March. Um, Harvest Moon, beginning of the March, uh, beginning of the March, beginning of the month. Uh, Story of Seasons is at the end of March on the 23rd. And from what I researched, Story of Seasons is the original developers of Harvest Moon. 
and Harvest Moon was like outsourced or sold to another development company. And they, as soon as they got it, they've since like ruined the game in the eyes of like their diehard Harvest Moon fans. But Story of Seasons is made by the original group, so it's as they're essentially both Harvest Moon games. But this is like, I don't know, the the more faithful to that style of game. Um, and if you if you aren't aware, it's essentially Stardew Valley, because um, Stardew Valley is heavily inspired by Harvest Moon. You're essentially um, I think in, in the respects of this game, you decide that, like, you're done with, like, modern life, so you pack up and you go out into just, like, just empty land and decide to start, you know, a town with this, like, I guess it's all of town, right? You, you join the town and you, you make a farm and you're, you're just building up your farm and growing crops, selling them, probably improving the farm. I'm, I'm pretty sure it has a marriage system in it, just like um, I think Ooh. Harvest Moon does too. Um, Sexy. And I, and I know that a lot, of, a lot of people couldn't get into That's like, what I'm into, guys. Farming and marriage. There we go. That's what I was saying. So, like, I know, Tim, uh, I don't think, actually, Christian, I don't think you liked it either, uh, Stardew Valley. I wasn't a huge fan, no. Um... I think that Story of Seasons is going to be like a, it's going to, in my mind, the way it looks, it looks like a baby between Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley, or the original Harvest Moon games. And it looks okay. like, graphically, it looks like it's in the style of like the new Pokemon games. Okay. Um, All right. But that well, being well, said... Before you share your guess, do you want me to share the, the scores of some of the previous titles, or do you want to go ahead and do your score first before I say that? Mm, no, go ahead. Okay. All right. So the previous iteration, the most recent one that came out, the Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town, 2019, got a 77 Metascore on Metacritic. Mm. Story of Seasons, Trio of Towns, 2016, which I believe might have been a 3DS title. I can't recall. I think it was. Uh, but that got a 74. <clears throat> So we're looking kind of in the upper upper 70s here on some of the previous titles. Yeah, uh, that's about where I was at anyway. Um, I'm going to say around a 79. 79? All right. Yeah. Like, I think it's going to be good, but I think it's going to get critiqued really, really hard. Okay. All right. Tim? Well, as I just mentioned, I'm all about farming and marriage. And if I can thump my Bible while I'm playing this game, then <laughs> oh sign me up. No. Um, oh. So real talk, I looked up Harvest Moon because it's originally what you're going to do. But this sounds just like Harvest Moon. Yeah. And um, my first thoughts on Harvest Moon were, wow, boring. So I'm going to kind of <laughs> stick. <laughs> I'm going to kind of stick with that thing. And uh, I might be lowballing it here, but based off of, like your the other ones that you mentioned, Christian, I'm gonna go straight up seventy. All right, seventy is locked in for you. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I can see this going one of two ways. Like, I think it's either gonna be you know just downward trending, and it's gonna be even worse than the other ones had in the previous half, 
or you know something i've seen you know even like with animal crossing you know in this past year you know it was like the pinnacle of what animal crossing games have been you know and they just kind of soared as all new heights so this might totally just blow us away and be the best thing that's ever come out for the series right uh with that being said i'm either looking at the low 70s or like 80 oh i'm gonna go what's the difference yeah i'm gonna go with 75 yeah that's fair there you go like i i feel like not to harp on the game too much but i feel like it's gonna have the effect that um uh what's it i just oh my gosh animal crossing i feel like it's gonna have that effect because we're all you know still relatively in quarantine um and everyone flocked to animal crossing because there was nothing else to do and it was just this cute fun little game Real talk, if it wasn't for quarantine, I probably would not have played Animal Crossing. I'm just saying. Same. <laughs> um, but I will say that this game does have some element of survival to it. So there is, you know, I, I want to say there's some combat. And um, I, I'm not sure if there's going to be a hunger and stuff like that. But I know that you have a health bar in this game. So. Okay. All right. Well, very cool. We're going to move on to number three, which was actually one of my picks. And it is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. It is a PlayStation 5 arcade platformer expected to release in the first half of this year. It is a continuation of 2013's Ratchet and Clank Into the Nexus. The story follows the duo's fight to stop an evil robotic emperor from using a dimensional collapse caused by a malfunctioning device to exterminate organic life across the universe. All right, now I'm going to give this as a disclaimer. If you've tuned into our previous episodes, you're going to know that this game in this series has a very special place in my heart so my guess is going to be very skewed and probably going to be above what it should be also also though the company behind this insomniac has been blowing out of the water lately with their spider-man releases both with miles morales and uh the original spider-man a couple years back i will go ahead and share that ratchet and clank which was the re- uh, official remake by insomniac of their previous iteration of ratchet and clank series that came out in the early 2000s got an 85 on metacritic and then ratchet and clank into the nexus which is where the this rift apart follows directly after that as far as storyline and plot goes got a 76 so hear me out i think they're gonna just keep shooting up i think it's gonna go amazing i'm gonna give it a 90 for my score that's honestly not as high as i thought you were gonna go yeah, I wanted either. I wanted to go higher, but you know what? So I, I looked on uh, Metacritic as well at like how Spider-Man did, and like Miles Morales was like beloved. Like you know, everyone thought like, "Hey, this is like the perfect launch title for the PlayStation 5. And even though everyone said all those great things, Metacritic still had it sitting at I think like a mid ninety. I was like, "Well, if that performed mid nineties, I've got to go a few points below that." Um, just because I feel like, as a whole, Ratchet and Clank is definitely not as beloved as like the Spider-Man franchise. So that's kind of where I fell on. I was I was floating somewhere between like ninety to ninety-four. I figured I'd go on the lower end. No, I think that's fair. Tim, you want to go next? So I never played a Ratchet and Clank um, at all. I don't know why I missed out on this train, but somehow it just flew on past me. I'd like to at some point, and I do own. Um, the remastered Ratchet and Clank. So I might check that out soon. Uh, but I did watch the trailer on this and some extended gameplay on it. Um, and I think it looks 
dope, dude. Like, the way you can just go seamlessly between other dimensions and whatnot, like, I think he looks phenomenal. Like I said, I'm never playing Ratchet and Clank. I don't know the story's about. I don't know what's going on. But from somebody from the outside that has no idea, this game looks awesome. Uh, so you gave it a 90, and you're talking about highballing it. I, I wrote down 93. Okay, yeah. Prove me wrong, please. I want this game to be the best game ever made. So please, prove it me It looks wrong. dope, dude. I don't know how to explain it. It looks dope. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with Tim. I never played Ratchet and Clank. Um, growing up, I was all about Spyro and Jack and Daxter. And I feel like you were in one of two camps. You were either a Jack and Daxter player or you were a Ratchet and Clank player. Um, never played that either. Did you play Sly Cooper? Nope. Wow. Sly Cooper was pretty awesome. Never, it was really hard. Never not played gonna that lie, either. But it was really good. Um, anyway, um, but I'm also in the boat tim's in i think it's gonna be phenomenal it looks amazing and i'm i can't wait to play it and i've never played any of them so i wrote down a 92 all right so i'm gonna write that down for you and uh, again disclaimer metacritic tends to rank below what i think a movie game should get. So I'm going with what I think Metacritic will give it, not what I want to give it, because I'm telling you right now, every single Ratchet and Clank game I've ever played would get like 98s and 99s. <laughs> However, it's Metacritic, so I'm outvoted here. I All still right. think people are going to love it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm sticking with my 93. I'm sticking with my 92. You talked me into it. I'm changing mine. <laughs> All right. I've got it. Too. 95. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's shift down here. Tim, we're going to go back to you now for, we'll see if this title comes out this year. I really hope it does, but let's talk about God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. So God of War Ragnarok, it's God of War 2, but not God of War 2. Right. But it is the sequel to God of War, but not that God of War. So it's the, God, the other God of War. <laughs> the sequel to God of War 2018, right? Yes, it's the sequel okay. to Dad of Boy. So it's Dad of Boy, too. Yeah. Boy. Uh, where, you, where you continue to play as your father simulator uh, as you <laughs> raise your child into the vast knowingness of the Viking lore. Um, yeah, it's supposed to come out in 2021. There's no official date yet or even a, hey, this is when it might come out kind of thing. It yeah. just says 2021. So there is the all likelihood that this could become 2022. Uh, but I really, really hope that it is uh, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you listen to the last podcast, you'll know that God of War is my favorite series. Um, and before I give my overall number, I would like to hear what the Metacritic said about the other ones, Christian. Okay, so I actually just kind of went with the remake of the God of War since this is kind of a, a new series and a kind of a new um, look on the franchise. So I, I, do, I do have the one here for God of War 2018, and it was a 94. Okay. I am, and I stand by this number. I stand by it. You're not going to talk me out of it. I am giving it a 99. All right. I, I I will be honest with you. I props to you, and it very well might because I have very high expectations for this game as well. I do, I do not think I have ever seen a Metacritic score that high. 
but I, I hope it, it probably this... doesn't exist, but I want it to. <laughs> this might actually achieve that. So let's freaking hope. Cody, what's your thoughts? I gave it a 97. All right. Like uh, having played all of them except for the one that I didn't. Um... Was that Ascension? Ascension, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was bugged so bad that you literally couldn't get past a specific level unless you played through the game on hard mode, on the hardest difficulty, rather. And they didn't patch it for, like, I don't know. It was, like, six or seven months of its life, and by that point, I had given up and traded it in. Um, yeah, I, I give I give this one a 97. All right. Yeah, I was kind of in the same ballpark. I, I have very high expectations for this. Um, a little bit below where you guys were at. Uh, I was at ninety six. But no, I I think it's I think it's going to be an absolute smash home run. Um, for for Sony. Um, but I'm gonna be so disappointed if it's not. Yeah, like, watch if it's not ninety nine, I'll understand because you know I'm really high balling it here it's probably not going to be a 99 but i hope to god it is if it's in but the like, 80s i'll be like, upset if it's in the 80s i'm gonna be mad yeah, yeah. <laughs> now i think that you know um the studio has really kind of you know nailed it in as far as what the series needs to become in the future and i cannot wait to see where the story progresses um hopefully this does release this year but if not uh at the very least we'll have it to look forward to hopefully next year yeah yeah, hopefully early 2022 at the latest. Right, right. All right, so fifth on the list will be Resident Evil 8 Village, which actually has a confirmed date for this year. Cody, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, it's uh, May 5th, or sorry, May 7th, um, 2021. So very soon. Um, just just un- under five months, I guess, or just just over four um yeah i'm really excited about this i i got the collector's edition cost too much but whatever i got the collector's edition um of course it's i got the ps4 collector's edition even though this is coming out on the ps5 um but we get the free upgrade right yeah it gets all all the ps4 copies come with the free ps5 upgrade um i'm really excited about this now i never played seven um, just because like they took it in a different direction and they, they went out of the, like what I've always attributed to Resident Evil games is more like anxiety inducing rather than like crap your pants scary. And apparently that's the direction they went in with seven. So I just, I just skirted away from that. Um, but I'm really excited for this cause it looks like they took the best things from, the previous titles and seven and mashed them into, you know, this new game. So I'm pretty stoked. Um, It is a direct sequel to Resident Evil seven. You play as the same character, Ethan. Um, I will have to, at some point, at least go through the story of seven to understand what's happening. But um, what, what were the Metacritics for the past all right, so Resident Evil 7 Biohazard got an 86, and then Resident Evil 6 kind of got tanked on the reviews with a 60 on Metacritic. Yeah. Um, Ooh. So Resident Evil 6 was sort of a, I don't know, it's a hit or miss for the fans. Like, 
they, they did a lot of new things to it. So, like, instead of it just being, you know, a game that follows one character or even two characters, um, it, I, I, there's technically six characters in the game that are playable because the game's co-op um, capable. And I believe you, you play through is like Leon Kennedy, who's the character in Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 2. Um, and then I think you play through as like, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Albert Wesker is like one of the, the big bads of the series. Um, you play through as his son and somebody else. And then I think you play through as Chris Redfield and somebody else, um, and a third playthrough. So it's like the, I think the story is really short for each playthrough, but all together, like they form one big story kind of thing. Just to clarify, you're talking about six, right? Yeah, for six. Okay. Um, and I think that's what people didn't like. Like, instead of it being one long, you know, traditional Resident Evil, it was three short Resident Evils. Um, they also switched it up, which I thought was a positive, but a lot of people didn't like it. Um, it's the first game where you're able to actually move and shoot at the same time. Um, hmm. Every game prior to that, you've had to run, stop, turn, shoot and repeat but going forward did they continue that into seven um so yeah seven is also a move and shoot um and so is eight and the remake of two and three okay um, so i think six is sort of an outlier okay so with that i so i think this is gonna get an 85 85 okay I don't think it's going to crack the 90s. I, honestly, I think 85 might might be generous. I I hope it's not. I hope I'm lowballing it, but I'm just trying to be realistic. Okay. All right. Tim? All right. So I'm a little bit of a scaredy cat when it comes to the horror kind of stuff. And I'm only saying this because it should pique your interest if you're listening to this. I'm going to selfishly plug our other... Uh, venues here. Uh, I've never played Resident Evil, but I bought Resident Evil 4 for the PS5 slash 4, whatever it is technically on. Um, and Cody and I are going to start streaming it on Twitch, uh, my reactions to playing it. So if you want to check that out, you should check out our Twitch at some kind of entertainment uh, because I think we're going to start recording that tonight. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if we were actually going to start streaming it or if we're just going to record it and put it on YouTube. Regardless, um, we'll have some fun Resident Evil content for everyone soon on um, one or two platforms in the near future. Well, I don't know anything about Resident Evil or what's going on, so I might be highballing it here based off of your score, but I gave it an 88. Okay, 88. Uh, I think then I I was lowballing it then. Well, maybe. We'll see what happens. Um, I gave it an 81. I, uh, I think that it'll definitely be a solid game. Um, I don't... Again, uh, backstory on me. Like I've played some of the Resident Evil games. Not a lot of them, and definitely not enough to get like a general consensus for what's considered like the average um, quality of a game. Uh, Cody's kind of the resident expert in this group on the series. Okay. Uh, all right, so we're gonna just move on down. Uh, we're number six uh, is actually one of my picks. Uh, it's Monster Hunter Rise. 
It's an upcoming action role-playing video game developed and produced by Capcom for the Nintendo Switch. It is the sixth mainline installment for the Monster Hunter series after Monster Hunter World 2018 and will be released worldwide on March 26, 2021. Just as a bit of background, uh, Monster Hunter World, which I think is kind of thought of as like the pinnacle of the series, Definitely. they released a few years back, uh, got a 90 on Metacritic. Uh, Monster Hunter Stories for the 3DS got a 79, uh, and Monster Hunter Generation Ultimate for the Switch got an 80. All right, so I don't think, I know people are going to have the default to compare it against World, and since you're dealing with just a lot less of a hardware, you know, from the Switch, since this is just a Switch title, and the Monster Hunter World um, was on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and PC, I don't think it's going to be able to live up to that hype, but I do think it's going to be a great game. So I think I'm going to go with 86. I um, I think it's going to get higher than that. I think it's actually going to be higher than World. Really? Um, personally, personally, I'm I'm pretty played out on the series. Like, I don't think I'll, I'll be picking it up. But um, it looks like they took all the good things of World and then added and fixed things that people wanted changed. So... I think it's going to get like a 92. Oh, okay. Breaking the So, 98. I tried getting into Monster Hunter. I really did. I played Monster Hunter World with you guys for a little bit, and then I just kind of fell out of it. My roommate wants me to play Monster Hunter with him so badly. I just, I don't have the heart to tell him. I guess he'll hear it now that he's listening to this podcast, but I don't have the heart to tell him that I just don't really <laughs> like the series all that much. But, hey, Zach, I'm sorry. I don't really like the series all that much. Um, Cat's out of the bag now. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it looks cool. You know, there's a rope thing, and you can ride wolves. That's kind of cool. And there's a dude that kind of talks like William Shatner for some reason. I thought that was funny. Um, so I guess, based on the scores, it kind of went kind of in the middle. I get it even at 82. 82? Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. So we got 82, 92, and 86. So I think it's a little bit more, a little bit more spread out than some of these other ones have been. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see yeah. what that what that gets then. All right, Tim, you are next up on the list with our number seven spot for Horizon Forbidden West. I am so excited for Horizon Forbidden West. Besides God of War, this is probably the next game that I'm really, really, really excited for. Um, just a little backstory. I played Horizon Zero Dawn, and it's the first game that I really, tr really, and truly platinum. Besides, you know, like the Telltale games where you had to like just beat the game and they give you the platinum trophy. But I went through and I did everything in this game. I loved it so much. It's so much fun. So I have high, high hopes for Horizon Forbidden West. So Christian, what's the Metacritic for Horizon Zero Dawn? Horizon Zero Dawn is currently sitting at an 89. Okay. I went a little bit higher than that. I wrote 94 for Forbidden West. Okay. Honestly, after watching the trailer, I kind of want to go back and play Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm not lying. <laughs> I think there's some new content. I don't think I ever played the uh, the. Never played stuff. the DLC. Yeah. Neither played Furs and Wildlands or whatever it's called. Jody? Um, I've never played Horizon Zero Dawn. It's on my list. Mm. It's, it's literally installed on my system, and I still haven't played it. Um. That being said, though, I'm going to give it a 91. 91? Yeah. Okay. So I'm with Tim. Uh, this is actually kind of surprisingly one of my favorite games uh, on the PlayStation. 
Um, I've played the crap out of Horizon Zero Dawn. Platinumed it, um, like we were saying just a second ago. I never got around to playing any of the DLC, really. Um, and I didn't really, I've never been a huge fan of the whole like new game plus mindset of where like you have to play through the entire game just to get a little bit of extra content. So I never did that either. Um, but I do think it's going to be a great game. I think the developers did an amazing job on the first one. And I think they'll just continue to kind of go up. Um, so my guess was a, it was a 92. So kind of in the middle between you guys. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move down to number eight. It's Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Cody, you want to tell us about that? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's it, it's the culmination of all of the the Lego Star Wars and Star Wars universe, I guess, the saga. Um, the difference between past games is, like, I think they've just sort of, like, released collections where it's been, like, you know, episodes one through whatever but this is like a complete, completely new game where you just play through the full story in you know goofy Lego way. Um, I'm really excited about it, even though the, like I feel like the last five Lego games I've tried to play, I've started and then never picked back up. So, yeah, okay, I, I don't know uh, what what's the medic uh, the Metacritic for the last couple. So I pulled up the the two most recent iterations. Uh, Lego Star Wars Force Awakens, uh, 78 on Metacritic. And Lego Marvel Super Heroes was an 83. I actually really enjoyed Lego Marvel Super Heroes. Um, yeah, that's about where I was at. I, I, I think I'm going to give it an 85. 85? Yeah. Okay. And what was this? I don't know if you can't remember if you said this, Cody. What what uh, platforms was this releasing on? Uh, to my knowledge, it's releasing on everything. Um, okay. Because I have a cool. copy pre-ordered for the PS5. Um, yeah. Okay. It's coming out on Switch, PS4, uh, PS5, and the Xbox One and Series X, as well as PC. Okay. Yeah. So literally everything. Yeah. Awesome. Tim, you want to chime in? So I have a love-hate relationship with Lego games. I <laughs> want I, I want to love them, but I end up hating them for whatever reason. Um, but I watched the trailer for this, and it looked bad. I I kind of kind of excited about it. I might wait to hear uh, Cody's review on it before I choose whether or not to invest in it uh, when it comes out. But you know, it looks pretty funny. I actually laughed out loud at one part in the trailer um so i gave it an 84 okay uh yeah i'm kind of in the same boat you know i i play lego games when there's nothing much else that i feel like playing and i'm like yeah you know i kind of just want to mess around in a game and just have some fun so there i played um back on the xbox 360 i think some of the earliest iterations of the lego star wars games and i really enjoyed them back then i haven't really played a whole lot since i think i did play the first lego marvel superheroes on playstation 4 um but yeah no so my guess was an 83 kind of right in line with what lego marvel superheroes 2 is currently sitting out on metacritic um so yeah so we're all kind of all lumped there together so we'll see how that one plays out yeah i think that's a i think that's a safe range all right. Well, number nine is back to me. So it's back for blood. 
Uh, this is a thrilling up to four player cooperative, cooperative first person shooter from the creators of the critically acclaimed Left 4 Dead franchise. You will lose countless hours of your life fighting off waves of the undead. So on a personal level, again, back in my three, Xbox 360 days, I was obsessed with Left 4 Dead 1 and 2. So again, this might be a little skewed and the high hopes that this lives up to the long awaited follow up to that franchise. Uh, Left 4 Dead 2 uh, received an 89 on Metacritic and the original Left 4 Dead also has an 89. I think, I don't think it's gonna pass the 90 threshold. I'm gonna guess 87. I think is where it's going to kind of play out. I think it's going to be a great game. Like I said, I love zombie games. Um, I know I even love Days Gone. I know that was, you know, one of Sony's big um, first party titles that wasn't necessarily received well, but I still enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, so I'm I'm really excited for this. I, of course, hope that, you know, my, my co-hosts here pick up the game, but I will not at all pressure them into getting it. Uh, Tim, what do you think your guess is? So as I mentioned before, with Resident Evil, Zombie horror, not really my stick. Um, it looks fun. Uh, I mean, there's not really any gameplay trailer out, but you know, just from the general impression I get from the theatrical trailer, it doesn't look terrible. I never played any of the Left for Deads. Like you said, you know, just not really my thing. Um, if you guys pick it up, I might pick it up. I don't know. Um, I gave it an 84. Okay, 84. Um, so I'm the opposite of Tim. I, I love a good zombie game. However, I do think it's oversaturated uh, in the genre. And Oh, very, very much so. And I think that's why I like Resident Evil so much because it's not just straight up zombies anymore. Like it starting with like Resident Evil 4, it became like parasites and all kinds of gross weirdness. Um, and I love I love Days Gone. I thought that was that's probably one of my all time favorite zombie games. But I, I just couldn't get into Left 4 Dead, man. I, yeah, you know, and I will say, in all fairness to you, so in comparison as far as like the zombie genre goes, um, Days Gone, Resident Evil is very much more of a um, storyline focused, actually like playing like a good plot and playing through a storyline of a game. Yeah. Whereas Left 4 Dead is kind of, and Back for Blood for that matter, is more in lines with like the zombie modes from uh, like Black Ops. Call of Duty Black Ops. It's just wave after wave of fighting undead, seeing how many kills you can get and kind of that kind of thing. So it's a different take on like the zombie game. Yeah, and while I while I do, no matter how much it frustrates me, I love the Call of Duty games. I don't know why I do it to myself. Um, I've never really truly enjoyed the zombie modes. Um, and I you like it because Avenged Sevenfold was doing the soundtrack. Yeah, Avenged Sevenfold was doing the soundtrack, and they're one of my all-time favorite bands. So you know, unlocking their songs in the map was always like my only goal. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know that there's any gameplay trailers for it, but I know that some streamers got their hands on it from the developers, and I watched uh, a few people play Back for Blood. Um, and it just, yeah, it's just not for me. I, so my, I feel like my score is a little skewed, but in the other way, I don't think, I don't, don't get mad at me. I think I'm being generous, but I'm going to give it an 80. Okay. I'm not mad. We will see. I hope that it doesn't perform that low, um, but it, it, he's, all... mad. he's mad. <laughs> no, look for your sake. I hope it doesn't. Cause I, to be honest, like, unless you both like 
guilt trip me into getting it. I don't plan on getting it, but. Uh, no, no, for my sake, I really hope that it doesn't perform that low because speaking as someone who's already pre-ordered it on their PlayStation 5 for its June release, I really hope that it's good. Otherwise, that is going to be money down the drain, but we will see. All right, so to conclude our gaming list, rounding out at number 10, number 10 on each of these lists is going to be something that was collectively chosen by all of us where we thought, hey, we're all going to get this. It needs to be on the list. And for the gaming, it was Pokemon Snap. It is a seek out and take new. Yes, new sorry. Pokemon new Pokemon Snap. So uh, for the game, it's to seek out and take in-game photographs of Pokemon and their native environments in the new Pokemon Snap game, only for the Nintendo Switch system. This new game brings the gameplay of the 1999 Pokemon Snap game from the Nintendo 64 to life on the Nintendo Switch with new islands to discover and new Pokemon to see. Few Metacritic scores, just as a reference. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX, which was that kind of um, all-in-one remake of the Mystery Dungeon um, side franchise in Pokemon uh, for the Switch that came out just this past year. Um, that actually, uh, I figured it was important to include some of the offshoots of Pokemon since this Pokemon Snap isn't, you know, just the next, a new, a new generation of Pokemon. Um, so that one, that game received a 68 on Metacritic. Uh, Pokemon Story. Really? Yeah, it actually kind of went, went, it kept going down. I think it was in like the upper 70s or low 80s. And then I think it just kind of wow. kept getting tanked. Um, and then by comparison, uh, Pokemon Sword, you know, the, the most recent generation that came out, um, first new generation came out on the Switch um, that has sitting at an 80 right now on uh, Metacritic. And then just by comparison, and I was kind of surprised. I Googled this and I was like, I don't know if this will be on Metacritic or not, but let's see. And they did have a Metacritic score for the original Pokemon Snap on the Nintendo 64. And that one is sitting at a 77. Guys, what do you think? Huh. Then we'll start with you. Um, well, I mean, this is sort of the game for the Switch for 2021, isn't it? Like, it's like pretty much one of their major titles that's coming out that I can think of. I mean, I don't really know about any other Switch games. Yeah, so it's it's Pokemon Snap. Um, I mean, of course, you got Monster Hunter Rise coming out in just a couple months. Um, I think Story of Seasons is another big one. I think I'm like, this is like the only, like, it's just exclusive switch game right uh monster hunter is exclusive to switch mm -hmm. oh, okay yeah okay i didn't know that um, um yeah so i mean i like pokemon i never played pokemon snap it seems like they're trying to make this a big deal um i'll let you know i already pre-ordered it so i'm so gonna get I. pokemon now um uh, i gave it a 90 okay Maybe that's maybe that's too high. I don't know. Okay. No, I mean I hope it performs well. I I hope that it gets a ninety because I think we're all Pokemon fans here and would like to see it uh, succeed. Yeah. Cody. Um. So I also looked at the Metacritic score for that. Um. And I'm gonna be honest. While I I would love for it to crack the nineties. I'll be happy if it makes the eighties. So I'm going to I'm going to go 83 is where I think it's going to land at because I played Pokemon Snap back in the day and it and it was a ton of fun but like it was pretty limited to what you could do. I mean it was just the original 151 um 
and I and I'm sure that this new game has all of the generations in it. Um, but it it's literally just a moving camera, and you take screenshots. So I don't know how well it's gonna be received today. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly where you're coming from. And I'm with you. I I played the Pokemon Snap game back on the Nintendo 64 as well. And, you know, back then I was like, this is really cool. For someone who was in like the prime of their Pokemon obsession, I just wanted any extra game that had anything to do with Pokemon. And I was super happy about it. Um, Having said that, also like you were saying, Cody, it is very uh, limited as to what you can do. It's pretty much, as I recall, you kind of ride around in a rail car, you can kind of turn your camera around, take pictures, and then go back and retake the pictures, try to get the best ones you can. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if new Pokemon uh, Snap has some sort of a share feature where you can try to like, compete against other people all through the uh, um, Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah. But it's definitely not going to have nearly as much play value as like a mainstream title like Pokemon Sword and Shield or any of the past iterations or generations of Pokemon. Um, and just to side information, pokemon mystery dungeon when i came back out on the uh, on the ds um i loved that and so i was super excited to play it on the switch um so i am i'm very surprised that that kind of scored as low as it did um, with the 68 uh i want it like i said with tim's score or tim's guess i i want it to do well i hope that it gets the 90 but if i'm being realistic i think i'm gonna have to go low 80s as well um i think it's probably gonna hit somewhere around the like I'm going to go with 82 on mine, so kind of near what Cody was. Yeah. Well, now I'm not so sure about mine. <laughs> do you want to recall yours? I had to do mine on Ratchet and Clank. Do you want to change yours? Let me do 85. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that's going to conclude our gaming lineup, at least for right now. We're going to go ahead and move on to movies. So first up on this list... It's going to be Tim's pick of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Tim? All right. Um, I watched Ghostbusters when I was a kid. I love Ghostbusters. I mean, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. That's who you're gonna, yeah, that's who you're going to call. Exactly. Um, I love Ghostbusters so much that I liked the one where it was all female. And I know that I'm in the minority for that. I, I dug it. I laughed out loud. I chuckled. I ha-ha'd. Um, what are the Metacritics, though, Christian? So this is going to bum me out. I'm not going to lie. I, I know. So the And I'm with you. I love Ghostbusters. I watched them as a kid, and it was great. Um, I didn't actually watch the one with an all-female cast. Not that I'm opposed to it. I just never got around to it. But anyway, so the that, that one, Ghostbusters 2016, got a 60 on Metacritic. And the original Ghostbusters from 1984 has a sitting at a 71. Okay. I think it looks good. Uh, I mean, it's finally a direct sequel, I guess, to Ghostbusters 2, um, just taking place more towards the future. Um, because obviously, I think the little child in there is a direct relation to Egon. Yeah, I think he's his uh, grandson. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I dig it. I, I'm on board for it. Um, I gave it 84. Okay. I will lock you in at 84. Yeah. Um, so the Ghostbusters 2016 wasn't a bad movie. 
but it wasn't good either. Um, I chuckled a lot. I mean, I laughed, but I, I don't know. Thinking back, it might have been pity laughing. Um, <laughs> just being honest. Um, I thought Kate McKinnon, that's her name, that, that played the weird girl, right? I thought she did a pretty good job. I thought she, she pretty did. funny. Uh, I think they were all funny. I just, I don't know. I just think as a whole, the movie just didn't land with me. Um, okay, move on. <laughs> I think it's going to get uh, a 75. All right, 75. And I mean, realistically, in line with the original, if it holds up into that. And what's really weird to me about this, and I mean, this is going to be a common consistency across a lot of the ones in this list. A lot of these are from beloved franchises that have massive fandoms, massive audiences that love them to death. But a lot of these movies on this list do not score high critically. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how our own personal opinions inter uh, interrupt the, the what the realistic reality of what they will actually get on Metacritic. Um, so, yeah. so I kind of, I guess, floating kind of in between you guys, I hope that it gets, you know, high eighties or maybe even a 90. I hope it's an amazing movie, but I think um, as far as Metacritic goes, I think I'm going to go with 78. I feel like people are just more critical on movies. I don't know why, but even when I was writing my list of these selves, I found myself being more critical towards the movies than I did the video games. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, to be fair, like, you know, the gaming is all about the, like, you know, the, the player's experience. And, you know, movies, everyone experiences the exact same thing. So True. it's it's hard to tell, you know, like a, a, most games, you can kind of tailor to the experience you want to have. And a movie is just it's the same thing for everybody. So it doesn't matter, you know, how many times you see it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. And not, to, not to go on a tangent because we're coming up on like an hour and 10 minutes here. Um I mean, whatever with the with the skewed metacritic scores just to put it in perspective um grandma's boy one of my all-time favorite movies huge cult, love grandma's boy huge cult following love grandma's right? boy it got a 33 on metacritic I just want to put <laughs> that I love that movie so, dude. I don't care yeah, well, I love that movie I did too but it was in theaters for like 5 minutes and then it was out so yeah, like I know, I know. Anyway, all right. Moving on. Well, just as a disclaimer, as Cody said, we're gonna try to make these weekly podcasts around anywhere between the hour to an hour and a half mark to the best of our ability. However, we don't want to count uh, cut out any sort of good content that you might miss out on. So we're gonna finish these lists. You know, we're gonna we committed, so we're gonna stay here until it's done. Exactly. We're gonna move on yeah, to I number two. <laughs> yep, we're gonna move on to number two in our movie list. It's one of Cody's picks of Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, so I personally do not like the horror genre. Like, I, I don't like scary movies at all. It is not my thing. Uh, the only horror, like, scary video games that I'm into is Resident Evil. Um, but A Quiet Place Part 1 is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, I, I honestly couldn't tell you why. It, it just It's just a in my mind, like they just did everything right. Um, I know this has been done for like a year now and just keeps getting delayed because of uh, COVID and everything. I think it's currently slated for September now. So if that happens, um, I think 
Well, what, what were the Metacritic scores? So I just pulled up the one, pulled up the original yeah. one for Quiet Place, and it is an eighty-two. Yeah. Okay. That's a that's that's about where I was at. Like I I think it's gonna be really good. I think it's gonna hit right around an eighty-three. Okay. Tim. I'm a little wuss when it comes to horror. Okay, I don't like it, and I never saw a Quiet Place because it just looked like the kind of movie that. I would not want to be a fan of. Um, so when I watched the trailer for this, I had so many questions. <laughs> like, isn't John Krasinski supposed to be? Did Jim die? And and number one, I mean, where is he? Spoiler Spoilers alert! For Quiet Place yeah. One. <laughs> spoiler alert! Uh, yes, he he dies at the end of the first one. And also, you should oh. really watch it because it's not a movie with jump scares. Well, they say like, is there aliens? Like, what is this? Yeah. So suspense it's really. it's a suspenseful i i guess they're monsters I, I don't think they ever really talk about like where they came from um okay i mean i'm interested i'm intrigued i don't like horror movies but I mean, you don't either so like if you recommend it maybe i'll check it out i highly recommend one bright what one, one bright sunny afternoon where i can watch something funny afterwards no i i, um, I highly recommend it i give it an 80 that's fair all right, 80. Uh, and yeah, so I'm kind of in the same bar- ballpark as Cody. You know, I, I really, really loved seeing the original in theaters. Um, it was a, I didn't really know 100% going into it what I was walking into. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I, I actually like horror movies, so I was fine if it went that way. I didn't know if it was going to be more of a thriller, suspense, whatever. Um, but walking out, I was like, wow, that was even better than I thought it was going to be. So I'm kind of surprised it got an 82. I was expecting a little bit higher. Um, but um, since that's kind of in that same, to be in the same ballpark as the original, I think it'll be a slightly better on the second one, um, despite, um, you know, Jim being absent from the movie. Well, he's I in a Jim face before he, he died. He's in do it. Do you look at the camera? Do you look at the camera and do a Jim face and then die? <laughs> um, sort of. Do you scream out, Pam, and then die? <laughs> He just screams. Yeah, he just screams. Okay. Um, but he's he's in a quiet place too, but it's flashbacks. Oh, okay. I was like, is they, this like a resurrection? Thing? No, because like... he he's the director too. Um, and the writer. And the writer, yeah. Um, and so I they filmed new stuff like pre alien invasion or whatever. So I think they're gonna explain where they came from in this movie. Um, with flashbacks to like before and as it happened okay all right well yep i'm gonna i'm gonna put mine in at 84 i think all right i'm gonna move down to number three this is actually one of my picks uh black widow this was supposed to be released last year because of the you know the whole quarantine covid thing got pushed to this year all right so in marvel studios action pack spy thriller black widow natasha romanoff aka black widow confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises this movie is set to release on may 7th 2021 just for background um some of the most recent ones in the mcu uh spider-man 2 got an 83 on metacritic and avengers endgame got a 78 so this is kind of where i was looking up scores and i was like huh kind of losing faith in metacritic here don't know why Endgame got a 78. Well, people, but at the end of the day, like to tank movie scores. It's been like a common trope where people try to go and tank them because they're trolls. Mm-hmm. 
but anyway so i i have high hopes for this movie i it was i'm very looking forward to see kind of what they explain uh from black widow's past and kind of where she originated from um and also looking forward to see kind of where this leads if they're going to do more uh, spin-offs of the black of black widow's um past um spoilers to um end game but you know i guess they can't really do anything in the future so uh i think i'm gonna go right in line with spider-man 2 i think i'm gonna do an 83 tim all right so i watched the first trailer back in the day before you know covid and when the first trailer launched i was kind of like you know black widow wasn't my favorite of the avengers she was kind of cool i guess but you know when you're next to the avengers and you ain't got no real superpowers how cool can you really be um you know her and hawkeye unfortunately were just kind of like they're there um, <laughs> you know it's like iron man and the hulk and thor is a god and then you have these two just dudes um and i say dudes as like a uh non-general thing. Yeah. uh yeah like a general comment um and then I watched the second trailer that I guess they just recently re-released when they updated the release date for the movie. And I actually was kind of excited about it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if just because it's been so long since I've seen a Marvel movie now, where I'm like, oh my God, it's a Marvel movie, yay! Um, but like, I don't know, I was kind of excited about it. Um, that being said, I gave it a 76. 76. I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, especially with the Stranger Things crossover. I mean, Hopper's in it, so it's got to be good. Yeah. Just kidding. That's not accurate. Cody? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I'm going to be in a minority here. Um, when I watched the trailers, I got a very big, like, G.I. Joe vibe. Interesting. G.I. Joe. Like the, you said about, like, the, the, the most recent G.I. Joe movies? Yeah, like the Channing Tatum movie and okay and whatnot. Um, and to be honest, I just I just don't care about her story. Like, she's never been up on my list. Like, it it was cool that she was there, and I and I appreciated that her. It's like same with Hawkeye. It's like cool they added them in the movies. I don't think they need their own shows or movies, but that's what we're getting. Um, it's the same with like One Division. I don't think I was gonna say. That. You want to talk about random side characters that didn't really deserve their spinoff? Watch WandaVision. It's like the pinnacle. Hey, I liked WandaVision. So, okay. Oh, it's another topic. Never mind. That's Continue, a, Cody. A, yeah. We'll talk about that at another point and probably another podcast. Um. Anyway, I think we're looking at like a 75. Okay. Locked in at 75. All right. We're down to number four on our movie list. Tim, this is back to you with Space Jam 2. It's Space Jam. It's, you know, Looney Tunes playing basketball. LeBron James is there. I mean, who else is going to be in the NBA? Probably Dwayne Wade. I'm just naming <laughs> basketball players that are famous at this point. Maybe Michael <laughs> Jordan will even have a cameo in it. Who knows? But it's not going to be the same as the original. I realized that. There was no trailer for it. The only thing I was able to see on IMDb was a picture of LeBron James and his Tomb Squad outfit. Granted, he looks kind of cool in it, but I don't know. So hit me with the Metacritic for Space Jam if there was one. It's going to make you cry. Yeah. Space Jam 1996 sits at a 59. Ugh! 
dagger to my heart. Uh, maybe it's just because as a kid, I loved this movie. I really did. It was I so still much like fun. it. So- <laughs> it was so much fun to watch. Um, yeah, I'm going to give LeBron James and the the uh, the tunes here a 63. 63. Okay. What do you hope it's going to get? I hope it gets like in the 80s at least. Yeah. Okay. But I doubt that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm at I'm at 54. 54. Okay. I I loved <laughs> I love Space Jam, but. I feel like if it didn't work then, it's really not going to work now. That's just that's just my thought process. It probably is twenty years too late for it. Yeah. but you know that's what I, that's that's like. If they had done it right after, maybe, but yeah. So I have a little bit of too high hopes for this. And by high hopes, I mean you know minimum. Um, I, <laughs> in comparison to the original score, it's high hopes. I think it's going to get a 68. I don't think it's going to bomb as much as the original did. I don't buy it. And like on the grand scheme of things, 68 isn't even that great of a score, but I think it's going to do better. Um, I think it'll, you know, bring in a whole new generation of kids that'll love and appreciate uh, the movie. And we'll get them to go back and watch the kids love LeBron James. Yeah, it's true. LeBron James. So we will, we will see what happens. And I mean, like, like, and as you were saying, Tim, there's not a whole lot of information out there or even trailers or anything. So, I mean, this mm-hmm. very well might not even be a 21 title. This might get pushed back. That was the other thing that there was no, there's nothing on it. There, like, there's nothing other than it's in post-production. There's like mm-hmm. a three second clip of it in the a teaser in the HBO max um, 2021, like coming soon reel that they have on there. Okay. That has okay. like the Matrix on it and and uh, Kong versus Godzilla and stuff like that. Like, there's just like little snippets on it. Okay. Okay. All right. We're gonna move down to number five. It's Spider-Man Three, one of Cody's picks. Yeah. So I know that Spider-Man Two got like an eighty something, right? It was an eighty-three, and Endgame was a seventy-eight. Yeah. Um. Look, Spider-Man is my all-time favorite marvel hero right next to deadpool um okay i have two scores here and it's gonna be hard for me to pick because there's there's my average them well no there's my realistic score (laughs) there's my realistic score of like 84 right um but then there's there's my i hope score and i think i'm gonna go with that one because if even like a third of the leaks out of this movie are true, like if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are really going to be in this movie and the original Doc Ock and Jamie Foxx, then I'm going to give this movie a 90. Okay. Wow. Ambitious. Bold here. statement, sir. Dude, if, because I'm trying to yeah, you're gonna risk it, it for the biscuit. I'm risking it for the biscuit, but I'm also like, if they truly do this like live action into the spider verse type movie, I think it's going to do crazy good. Okay. Okay. Tim. All right. So kind of like to echo what Cody was saying in a sense, if Spider-Man's all of them were in there, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, and, uh, Oh wow. Tom Holland. I almost forgot his name. Uh, <laughs> the and all, main the original, guy. <laughs> all, 
and all the original guys and they're like the bad guys too like um you know the original doc ock and for all i know uh jake gyllenhaal might be in there in some fashion i don't even know anymore who's in it everybody's in it at this point well, the, re- uh, the most recent fact, not to skew your answer but the most recent was that um uh what's his face green goblin that christian loves so much uh oh william, william, defoe. Defoe. william defoe they're talking about him reoccurring as norman oswald and starting the sinister six in this movie so okay well if the sinister six are there i don't know if you can hear that in the background uh that's the sound of tricked out cars because at this point why don't we just throw dominic toretto and his whole his whole squad in here too and just literally everybody in hollywood can be in this movie why not both franchises are so absurd why not should we just have spider-man be in the Fast and the Furious, and he can have a spider car, and it can shoot webs from his car and stick to walls at this point. I'm here for it regardless. I'm not mad at it. So, I gave it an 80. Didn't <laughs> didn't Little Bow Wow drive, like, a Hulk car? In number two. In number two. Number two. Too yeah. Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> Alright, so I think for mine, um, I'm going to give it an 83. I think I'm going to go right alongside the Spider-Man 2 uh, Metacritic score uh, and give an 83. I, I hope that it does better. I really do. Um, and you know what? If Willem Dafoe pops up in it, and you know, my, my score is going to go from 83 to like a 96 because, you know, I think he, he <laughs> makes or breaks every movie he's ever been in. So, but we will see. Yep. Who knows all of the cast that will actually appear in that, if it'll be a cameo, if it'll be actually be a... Um, a lengthy appearance or, or not um, but we will see yep. even if it comes out in 21 because i don't think we still have a date for it yet <clears throat> uh it's expected december 17th okay so literally the end of the year yeah yep, okay we'll we'll hold hope all right so we're gonna move down i don't know if you've noticed a, a theme here on all my picks but all of mine were marvel uh so number <laughs> six no uh, did you pick godzilla versus kong Oh yeah. Okay. Spoilers. Yep, we haven't gotten up. there. We haven't gotten there yet. Sorry. It's my bad. It's okay. Uh, number six is Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Shang-Chi is a master of numerous unarmed and weaponry based Wushu styles, including the use of gun and ninchaku. He must confront his past. He thought he left behind when he is drawn into the web of the mysterious 10 rings organization. This is expected to release in July 9th, 2021. For the lack of information out there, I do not believe that holding date. I think it's going to be either fall or next year, but we'll see. Um, I'm really excited for this. Um, I really like um, when new movies, especially in like the Marvel franchise, kind of embrace various cultures. I loved what they did with Black Panther. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to this. Um, kind of is a different, you know, um, break up into the MCU as they go into their next phase. Uh, as a bit of backstory, uh, Captain Marvel, unfortunately, is sitting at a 64. Black Panther is sitting at an 88. Now, if we flash back a little ways, Black Panther was respected by, like, everybody. Everybody had nothing but great things to say about it. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that didn't break the 90. So if it does well, and I hope it does, I think it's going to perform right up there with Black Panther. I think I'm going to call... Black Panther is an 88. I'm going to call an 87. Locked it in. Tim, we're going to go over to you. Okay. I didn't know this was a movie until you said it was a movie the other day. (laughs) So I don't know. Diddly squat about this whatsoever. 
I guesstimated a 72. Okay. I'll put it down as a guesstimate 72. <laughs> Yeah. Um, to be fair, there's not like a ton of information out there about this. Like they still haven't done like a full trailer, like synopsis of like what the storyline's gonna be, where they're gonna go with it. The Ten Rings organization was brought up in uh, an Iron Man movie. I think it was Iron Man three. I think it was whenever he had the run in with the Mandarin. Oh, um, yeah. It, it was mentioned kind of like in the background. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's part of the next big phase for mcu and i'm excited to see where they go with it uh cody yeah i'm with tim i didn't know this existed until the other day um well you know screw me uh, <laughs> but uh just are you just following closer than we are you know just based on other marvel movies and uh whatnot i'm gonna give it an 80 just because i don't know okay 80 80 it is seems all safe. right now what cutting said it seems safe yeah absolutely we're gonna go down to number seven on the movie list it is free guy one of tim's picks tim yes free guy ryan reynolds in a movie about a video game where he's just an npc that becomes not an npc and does non-npc related things in a video game because he realizes he's in one it sounds like the matrix meets like pixel but uh it looks awesome. Um, I would love to sit here and tell you it's going to get 100 because I think it's going to be a really, really good movie. I really had to stop myself from cursing there. Uh, so, but that actually, that's not going to happen. It's not going to get a 100 because, you know, people are either going to love it or hate it um, or think it's okay. Um, but I gave it a 75. Trailer looks cool. Trailer looks so cool so so cool all right 75 yeah and i'm in agreement with you like i've seen i've rewatched that trailer multiple times i still don't really have a great idea as to what the movie is actually about but like i'm pretty sure awesome. after seeing ryan reynolds in deadpool as long as it's not like a romantic comedy like he was in his uh, early career days um, if it's got him in it i'm gonna watch it so the movie is about awesome that's all you need to know it's about, about awesome. awesome all right <laughs> cody yeah from what i can tell like Tim saying, it's a movie about an NPC that becomes self-aware and then falls in love with a uh, player and the player's avatar um, as they, like, I don't know, go on a mission to break the game and set the NPCs free or something. I Yeah, like, like okay. we'll have to something. see when it comes out. Um, but <clears throat> as much as I love Ryan Reynolds, I'm still going to give this a 78. 78 okay and you kind of actually stole away from it i also had a 78 uh as my my guesstimated score no, that's fine again don't know whole whole lot about to make a real educated guess on this film um i really hope that it does well um i think i'll personally enjoy it regardless like a lot of the movies on this list um Same. and we'll probably on a personal score give it much higher than it'll receive a metacritic but yeah, I think somewhere in the upper 70s is probably a pretty safe bet. Yeah. My favorite my favorite movie is Scott Pilgrim, and I've not been this excited for a movie since Scott Pilgrim. I mean, I've obviously been excited for movies, but like on a personal Tim level, I've not been excited for a movie since Scott Pilgrim about this one. Uh, I don't think I've looked that one up on Metacritic yet. I'd be interested to see what that one got. All right. So we're going to move down to number eight 
uh, back to Cody with another one of his picks. It is No Time to Die, the most recent iteration in the James Bond franchise. Yeah, so this is currently tracked to come out in October, early October, I believe. Um, there's not much about this. Uh, you know, there's like one or two trailers. Uh, from what I gathered at this point, he's like retired or left active duty. Um, and then, you know, like most, you know, action movie tropes, they're like, we need you back for one more mission kind of thing. Um, I love the James Bond series. I grew up with the James Bond series. Credit to my aunt who, um, probably shouldn't have shown me those movies, but I watched them at a very young age. Same. Um, <laughs> but like... Knowing what the other movies got, I, I think that this is going to land around an 84. Yeah, and just to, just to clarify, so Spectre, the, the most recent one, got a 60 on Metacritic. Yeah. And on Skyfall, it was an 81. And you said, what was your guess, Cody? Uh, I think I'm going to, regardless of what I said before, I think I'm going to sit right around 84. 84? Yeah. All right. Locked it in. Tim, we'll go over to you. All right, so I never saw any other James Bonds besides the Daniel Craig one. I don't know. Again, it's one of those things where just I missed that train when I was younger. Oh, I know. Um, but the Daniel Craig ones I really do like, my favorite being Skyfall. Um, so with this trailer, I get, you know, sort of like, you know, maybe that Skyfall feeling from it. Um, so I'm going to kind of be in line with Skyfall and give it an 81. Okay. 81, locked in. And I'm going to kind of go in between you guys with an 83. Uh, I definitely think it's going to be a good movie. I think I'll probably deserve a bit higher than that. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a James Bond movie that was bad. Um, but as far as just general review and critics go, I think it'll probably go low 80s. Some of the older ones aren't. I mean, right. it looks like a typical Bond flick that I've seen. You know, like I've only seen the Daniel Craig ones, but it looks like the Daniel Craig, James Bond, he's on motorcycles and, and water and punching people in the face. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah. Christoph Waltz is there. <laughs> All right. So we are going to round out this list with our last two. Uh, number nine is going to be the last of my picks for this. It's Godzilla versus Kong. All right. So humanity's fight for its future sets Godzilla and Kong on a collision course that will see the two most powerful forces of nature on the planet collide in a spectacular battle for the ages. This is currently expected to release in March 26, 2021 on HBO and in theaters. Just a bit of background on this one. Godzilla 2014 got a 62. And Godzilla King of Monsters got a 48. So it definitely got tanked again on the reviews. And I will say as a disclaimer, I if it's got massive dinosaur giant machine things in it, I'm game. Like I, I'm all about Godzilla. I love the series. I love Godzilla 2014. I love the one from the early 2000s. I loved Godzilla King of Monsters. So the fact that it got a 48 really bums me out. Um, also, you know, that same love kind of carries over into anime for me. It's why I love it, uh, Attack on Titan. Um, it's got a really w weird and complicated story and plot to follow. But, uh, but I love it. Um, going with what I think it'll get, not with what I hope it will. I'm going to go with 60. 
I hope that it does much, much better than that. But I, that's, that's my guess. Tim, we'll go over to you. All right, so I didn't see King of Monsters, but I did see the original Godzilla, and I really, I really liked it. And I like you also, like big monstery kind of things. I love Pacific Rim, and such this, a good movie. Yeah, this reminds me of Pacific Rim with Godzilla and Kong fighting against each other. I also like the King Kong that they released a couple years ago. That was also a really good one. Not the the one Jack Black in it, but the other one. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it released like 2016, 2017. It was something, maybe it was just Kong, it I don't remember. Kong Skull Island or something like that. That's what it was, yeah. It was really good. I really liked it. Um, I don't, it, it, from the trailer, they're kind of looking like Godzilla's the bad guy in this one, which is a little interesting take on it. Um, I don't know exactly what will come of that, but it has Alexander Skarsgård in it, and I heart Alexander Skarsgård. Um, and uh yeah i gave it a 68 okay yeah um so this might influence your your decision here tim so uh i picked up on something in the trailer and i mentioned this to christian earlier um a lot of people didn't pick up on it but a couple of the um reviewers that i follow on youtube did as well there's a scene in the trailer where you know it's like the typical japanese um like people running from Godzilla down the street as it destroys everything. Right. Yeah. And I think that that was intentionally done where it was placed in the trailer, uh, to make it look like Godzilla is a bad guy. But if you pause it and look real carefully, that's not Godzilla. It's Mecha Godzilla. Oh, and what I think is going to happen is that the first half of this movie is going to be like, Kong versus Godzilla, and it's going to be some, like, weird, like, primal rivalry that the two species have had for years, right? And then mm -hmm. I think some rogue organization is going to make Mecha Godzilla to try and take out Godzilla, even, but then they're going to realize that this organization's bad and that they need Godzilla to win, and it's going to be Kong and Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. I can see them teaming up. That's, I my, mean, that's my prediction. From the trail. From the trailer, um, it looks like they're framing Godzilla to be the baddie, which is yeah. what I was trying to say there. I don't think either. I don't think there's going to be, you know, like a decided victory between Godzilla and Kong because they want the franchises to continue both right. of them. Um, so I said like it feels like they're framing Godzilla to be the baddie. Yeah, no, I think that that's how they intended it, and uh, I don't know that they actually wanted people to pick up on Mechagodzilla, but that's yeah. That's my prediction, and we'll get into it. That, that's another story time, but that, that's my, like, what is this, Cowboys and Aliens? I know nobody will get that reference. <laughs> Tell a story another day. Yeah, it's yeah. another day. Um, so that being said, I still think this is going to get like a like a, a 54. Like, I, I think it's going to tank. And I, and, and I don't think <laughs> – and but. I, I don't think that that's going to say anything to the movie either. I just think that movie critics are going to rip it apart, but I think that the fan yeah. score is going to be much higher. So 54 is where I'm at. All right. Got you locked in at a 54. We are going to round off this list at number 10. Had I done, had I thought about this more beforehand, I would have made this number nine because it would have made more sense. <laughs> 
we're gonna go with fast and furious nine was a pick by all of us after the events of the fate of the furious in 2017 dominic toretto and his family must face dominic's younger brother jacob a deadly assassin who's working with their old enemy cypher and who holds a personal vendetta against dominic this is expected to release in may 28 2021 as a bit of reference the fate of the furious the last installment got a 56 on metacritic and furious 7 is sitting at a 67 <sighs> tim i'm gonna let you start us out i'm still not sure all right i have some strong opinions on fast and the furious obviously they are completely over the top but you know at this point if you're gonna watch it that's what you should expect um that's what i do and the fact that like they are going to do fast and the furious 10 and everything i've heard is saying that they actually are going to go to space and that's what i want that's that seems to be the next logical progression and that's honestly where i want them to go next so here's here's some of the things i noticed watching the trailer first of all the trailer that i watched was four minutes long which if you don't know anything about movie trailer is like the average movie trailer is about two to two and a half minutes so this was a minute and a half longer than any other kind of movie trailer that you would normally see in a theater. And um, first of all, uh, they have a little boy in there that they call Little Brian. Now, I guess Dominic and Letty at some point had a child, and it's just they just call it Little Brian. It's not his name's Brian. They call him Little Brian, and he's listed and credited as Little Brian on IMDb. Now, I don't know if that's supposed to be, did they just pull that from the trailer, if that's his actual name, but I think it's funny that his name isn't just Brian after, you know, Paul Walker's character. It's just little Brian. Um, secondly, uh, John Cena's in this one, and obviously, you know, like, there was some falling out between The Rock and Vin Diesel, which is why Hobbs and Shaw became a thing, and why The Rock is probably not going to be in Fast 9. Yeah. Um, so that leads me to believe that the true baddie of this one is actually Charlize Theron. And John Cena is going to turn on her and team up with Dominic Toretto to replace The Rock. That's, that's my opinion. And then in the next movie, they'll go to space. Um, also, uh, in the trailer, I'm pretty sure they throw a car at John Cena and he catches it. <laughs> It's what you'd expect from John Cena. So, you know. I uh, 100% when I watched the trailer, I rerounded it twice to make sure I was <laughs> seeing this correctly. Unless they, like, you know, shot it a specific way, I'm pretty sure they throw a car at my guy and he catches it. So, there's that. And on a personal level, my favorite Fast and Furious happens to be Tokyo Drift. Not because of the awesome Donkey Kong references and the Southern guy in Japan. All that's just added hilarity. But I love Han, and the fact that he's back in this movie leads me to believe that this is going to be an all-time epic. I am going to give it a 64. <laughs> <laughs> Will, by comparison, I mean, that's, that's going pretty high. So <laughs> I also love how they just kind of wrote off that Han, like, died and somehow he's like, nah, that didn't happen. He's just all of these <laughs> magically. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I love the series probably more than I should. And I, I'll say this again. I've said it a million times. If the next one's not called Fast 10 Your Seatbelts, I'll be really upset. 
Um, By the way, this one isn't called Fast 9. If you look it up on IMDb, it is F9. Yeah. That's it. Just F9. Oh. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go realistic and not what I want it to be. I think it's going to get scored in the 57 range. Okay. Well, I went way too high on mine. <laughs> I, uh, you can I, change it. Hoping for the best. You know, I'm just, I'm going to keep it. It's fine. I'm going to commit. Uh, I, I was at a 68. I think okay. I, I kind of found a halfway point of what I, what I think it'll get and what I hope it to get. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have mine sitting at a 68. And well, guys, I think that's about it. What do you think? Yeah, um, this is definitely. Yeah, we went really long. So long yep. episode. We're, we're sitting right around two hours. Oh, Oof. good God. All right, well, everyone, this is going to conclude our Metacritic prediction segment. We will continue to update this list throughout the year. And if you'd like to stay up to date on it, you can go to skoentertainment.net, where we should have a new tab by the time the show airs, where you can track all of our results. And, you know, like I said, as the year goes on, we'll try to continue to update those and maybe even make it a, a, a segment of the show where if there's any, a few that we wanted to add to that list, we'll talk about them live with you. If you have any suggestions as to what games, movies, TV, or anime you'd like to see covered or put on that list, you can email us directly at somekindofmessage at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at SKO Entertainers. <sighs> it's been a long show, guys. But thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you like, share, subscribe, and leave a comment below. If you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, as I said before, at SKO Entertainers. Or visit our website, again, at skoentertainment.net for more information. Also check out our Twitch channel, Some Kind of Entertainment, where we play games occasionally. And finally, don't forget to join us next week, because even on the best of days, we all need some kind of entertainment. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See you guys.